give a short talk. I wasn't sure what to talk about, but now there's so much to talk about, and sometimes it's hard to know what to hone in on. So, um, one of the most helpful distinctions that Joko Beck made for me was the distinction between necessary and unnecessary suffering. And um, another way of thinking about unne- uh, necessary suffering is um, intelligent suffering. Um, so, in in our practice, we're we're working on on, on, on those two different levels uh, all the time, really. On one level, we're wanting to. Um, live intelligently so that we um, relieve ourselves of unnecessary suffering but also uh, how our practice can help us to in move through suffering intelligently and by that expression intelligent suffering I think it's conveying something along the lines of to suffer without doing harm to ourselves or others and to suffer in a sense which is um, healing for us. One of the best, so like in um, well, we, um, just before we started sitting today, we were talking about the movie Carol, and um, I mentioned that I had a, an emotional reaction at the end of that movie. Um, uh, some movies move you, uh, and it's often because there's something about that movie uh, that um, replicates something that happened in your own life, and that's the same thing with. Um, with people, and most of us have, who've suffered trauma, um, um, when something uh, in the present replicates something which happened in the past, it can often bring up um, traumatic flashbacks, uh, sense of, yeah, all different things can happen in those situations. Usually some kind of emotional reaction. And um, so, um, Carol is a love story between two women, um, but it also one of the, the barriers between the two women, uh, what is getting in the way of them being together is a, uh, um, a custody dispute. And um, in other words, the, uh, the husband of uh, Carol um, wants her back, doesn't want her to leave, and as we all know, often in those situations, uh, involves the uh, the child as a, and uses the child as a weapon to um, hurt Carol or to express his uh, to try and control her, and um, through his um, inability to deal with the loss. 
and um, that brought up a, uh, when um, around about the time that I first got together with Annie, there was um, there was a, a time when I'd left my uh, first wife, and um, and um, my uh, my son at the time was about four and a half. Um, um, was was I won't go into the details of it, but was used in in a similar way, um, which ended up with with me and Annie separating, and um, um, because of the uh, the um, the fact that yeah Annie was being subjected to to lots of threats and attacks, and so was I. So it uh, seemed to be more uh, beneficial to uh, separate. And um, so that's what happened. And um, then, about six months later, we we bumped into each other again, uh, quite unexpectedly. And um, when we got back together again, um, uh, so there was this scene at the end of. Carol was, she's, uh, we'd arranged to meet, like we, I walked around the corner, I, I thought Annie was overseas and, um, in fact she, she hadn't gone overseas, she was still in, uh, in Wollongong and I'm, so I went around to see if I could, if she was, uh, to this uh, little cafe where, where we used to, <laughs> used to meet, she happened to be there and she was sitting with a friend and, uh, so we arranged to meet later on and, um, in the evening, and so we both went away, and when both of us had the same thought. We were both wondering if that person would be there. I was wondering if Annie would be there, and she was wondering if I would be there. And we both met at 6 p.m. at the designated spot at North Beach in Wollongong at a bench. And uh, and and in the, in the in the movie Carol, there's a scene where the the young woman is is moving towards Carol, and it's the sense in which. Carol wasn't sure whether she'd show up or not, and uh, it was at that moment that all this, this pouring of emotions came out of me, and it just all brought back that um, that time in, in my life with, with Annie. And um, one of the things I learn all the time in my work as a counsellor is um, that so many people who have been through uh, traumas of different degrees of severity and so on, um, um, inevitably um, we often deal with overwhelming pain by segregating it, by compartmentalizing it, by dissociating from it. Um, and um, I've been recently working with a, with a, with a, a woman in her 50s who through terrible trauma in her childhood and uh, at some point she put it all aside and got by really well for about 25 years and, and had a long term, still in a long term relationship of 27 years, she's done very well. And, um, but then when she, 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 uh, she, she uh, met a family member um, who she had never met before and, uh, and then this family member ended up um, uh, 
kind of like there was an upset that happened and she felt rejected. And this really opened up the, um, just opened up a Pandora's box. And, uh, and uh, ever since then, for the last couple of years, she's been dealing and still uh, dissociating, but like, um, one of the prices we pay when we dissociate initially is that there's a certain flattening of, 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 of aliveness and, and um, a certain flattening of affect. Um, it's the price we pay for cutting off an emotion, even, uh, even if it's a fearful, horrible emotion, we cut off part of ourselves. And I guess there's a certain amount of, um, I guess, energy or whatever that has to go into maintaining that cut-offness and um, so when we talk about practicing a suffering intelligently um, can, can you, is it, that's, that's, that's the kind of idea is that uh, in order to become whole and to heal and all of us to different degrees of severity um, have had some injuries to the self in the past and um, and uh, we've had losses and um, in order to heal we have to suffer and this is um, what most of us don't want to do uh, we hope we can just walk away <laughs> and uh, unfortunately it doesn't go away um, and uh, sometimes there's a natural process whereby the body-mind seeks to heal itself and you could even uh, sometimes when people get um, bad dreams and so forth, it's almost like the the, uh, the body is trying to heal itself. It's a, you know, like when the uh, piece of metal gets buried in the skin or something and it starts to come out again. It's a sense in which there's a natural kind of healing process that occurs. And um, so this, this, this is the necessary suffering that we have to do um, in whatever unique form it might take in our own personal lives. Another good example is, um, I mean, Sigmund Freud once wrote a paper called Mourning and Melancholia. And uh, when we uh, lose someone we love, we naturally mourn. And, um, but it's not a pathological process, it's not, it's a natural healing process. Um, but um, if we sort of put up some resistance to that process of mourning or it gets complicated in some way, often it gets complicated around an attitude, uh, uh, like a, the, uh, uh, the way in which we regard ourselves as some sense of criticism of ourselves or self-blame or blame of others or something gets mixed and it can get complicated and it becomes, turns into what he called in those days melancholia, uh, which is really like a severe form of depression where one loses all, uh, a hedonism, one loses all interest in life and, uh, and often at the core of that is a, is a, is a, is a strong sense of um, self-criticism or low self-worth or self-hate and, uh, and this just um, causes the uh, depression to perpetuate itself. Um, and so sometimes in a sense that even depression can be seen as a way of um, 
fleeing pain in the same way as dissociation is a way of fleeing or f uh, taking flight from pain. Um, so, the, so the paradox in our practice is that on, one, on the one hand, often, um, we need to open up to suffering and, um, and to do that intelligently. Uh, and that's where our practice with the unnecessary suffering comes in. So, you know, we do have some insight caught in the self-centered dream. We um, take uh, care to um, become aware of when we may be clinging or hanging on to something which is, uh, in the scheme of things, is not that important. And um, so there's a whole lot of difference between losing a loved one and, um, and um, you know, losing uh, some... We can, we can um, get incredibly attached to our finances, I guess, but um, you know, even a loss of you know, $10,000, that's not, not the same as losing someone you love, is it? Um, but you know, we can get into all kinds of um, suffering over losing $10,000. Um, we, um, we can get into suffering by um, um, very simple, <laughs> ordinary. You, you, would, you, would, you, would, you would all have examples of times when um, um, you may have um, lost your keys or um, done something silly like that and we've, we've got ourselves into a state of nothing that important. And, um, so this, this and uh, so this comes down to the, the um, really the careful attention to the moment, and um, developing the the wisdom or the discrimination to to um, to use our practice, you know, in the sense of being able to observe our thoughts, to observe how we get caught sometimes in various stories or various um, repetitive kinds of. Um, um, ways we might be critical of ourselves and just sort of letting that go. So that, and, and, but that also, the, the other part of practice is being able to assimilate all those aspects and times, the emotions in ourselves which we have to experience to go through the pain uh, in order to open up. Uh, so to be fully alive is, as a human being, it's inevitable that we're going to have to suffer and experience pain. And uh, so, necessary, unnecessary suffering. We're all caught in the self-centered dream of a self, and uh, we all know that's an illusion, um, but it's a necessary illusion. And um, we do want to care for our illusion and the illusion of the other as well. Um, it may be the case that um, Life's just a dream. It's just uh, a bolt of lightning, a bubble, etc. Um, but you know, we care about our humanness, and we care about our relationships, and um, and we care about each other's idiosyncrasies, and. Uh, 
So as lay practitioners, we haven't chosen to go off to a monastery. We've chosen to be in the world of attachments and, and loving partners and children and work and friendships. And, um, and um, we embrace that uh, as our path. It's a path that which is uh, just as good, not less than going off to a monastery. It's a path that is probably, I think, sometimes even more challenging than going off to a monastery. The path of um, allowing ourselves to become attached to the people we love and allowing ourselves to feel the loss when we lose people that we love. Ah, leave it at that.